When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into the Wednesday Bible study, and uh, boy, today we're going to unpack Genesis 19, and uh, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a very um, interesting study today. Uh, there, there's so much to take from this, and we're going to talk about you know there's a lot of things in Scripture, which is one of the reasons why we we started doing this Bible study was to take a deeper dive. Um, and today we're going to talk about the uh, how the, is, is the Bible certainly is never in conflict with itself. So, but but then we start searching for for things like today that many many people have been troubled by. You ought to read some of the commentary on this. There's all kinds of. I'll give you three different um, um, you know theories on on uh, this part of our our study today involving Lot. Uh, so this is going to be uh, this is going to be a deep dive. It's going to be convicting. It's going to be beneficial. Uh, as Scripture always is. So, before we open in prayer and go to Genesis 19, uh, I want I want to talk about some things that are that's going on with themanchurch.com. This Bible study is brought to you by uh, themanchurch.com, and uh, this this is how this started. This is a was a men's Bible study. Now I know because of YouTube and the podcast, and and uh, it has grown into something that's just basically a. A Bible study, but at, at foundation is a men's Bible study, and you'll hear me reference that a lot today. Uh, but uh, I do want to point you to something that uh, that has just been added. The brand new resource is here from themanchurch.com. Uh, if you have an Android phone, uh, we thought you were going to join us yesterday. We discovered that we have Android people who are very, very frustrated. Android told us the app would be ready to go for you yesterday, and apparently that was an exaggeration. Uh, so if you have an iPhone, you're ready to roll. If you have Android, I hope you're ready to roll by the by sometime today, tomorrow. We are working on that, but it is called Strive. Strive. It's an app, and and we've been working on this. Uh, it's it's the daily discipleship app for men. Uh, and and when you go there, you're going to find things like daily devotionals. You're going to find uh, just little short tidbits when you wake up and you look at it and you go, you know what, I needed to hear that today. But you're also going to have things as deep as as uh, sermons from, from men that we trust and their handling of the Word. Some of our Bible study archives that we've done in different books of the Bible, you'll find those there. Much easier to search, to find. The, the search option is going to make that a lot easier if you go find specific Bible studies that we've done. They're not all there yet, but they'll continue to be added. Uh, and you can certainly still go get them at BurgessMinistries.com. We're not removing that option from you. Uh, you can certainly still go get the old ones on YouTube. We're just saying this is another option to be able to search and find specific Bible studies, but also all this other content uh, that will continue to be found there. I mean, even right now, if you went, there's hours and hours of content, but it's only going to grow, and it's only going to get bigger. So this is a, this is a great resource for you to add to your own ongoing sanctification, discipleship, and, and spiritual maturation. So if you want to get the resource, it's real simple. Uh, you can go to the App Store. You can go to themanchurch.com. Look at our header at the top of the website. You can click on it there. It's called Strive, and uh, it is a seven-day free trial that's available right now. If you decide you want to go forward with it after you've searched it, uh, it'll be nine ninety-nine a month. 
Uh, so look for that. That's a brand new resource we just added to themanchurch.com, and we're going to continue to to roll out different resources because we believe if you reach and disciple men, you change everything. So speaking of our men's discipleship strategy, a couple opportunities for you tonight. If you're watching this or listening to it on the day that it was actually done, that was May, it is May the 11th, and uh, tonight, uh, Helmsy, uh, we'll be speaking at Landmark Church in Montgomery, Alabama, as they they go through the men's discipleship strategy. You can just go. Uh, if you want to go to Crestview, Florida, First Baptist Church, uh, Rich Wingo will be there coming up this Saturday. They're continuing the men's discipleship strategy. So uh, those are some opportunities for you. We have many others. You can find those by going to themanchurch.com. Uh, if you'll click on events, uh, you can see where different churches all over the country are having man churches and guys from our team are going out and speaking. That's the high challenge part of our discipleship discipleship strategy. Then after all these services, there's an opportunity for you to plug in to the high equipping, and that's these churches going through the curriculum that we provide. And we have three 40-week curriculum, uh, and uh, there's churches at different stages with those, and you can find them by looking at events at themanchurch.com. If you would like to get started with our strategy, same thing, just go there. You'll see a way to contact us after you look around. We'll help you any way that we can. All right, so let's open up in a word of prayer, and we'll jump right into Genesis 19 as we continue to walk through the book of Genesis. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here as men uh, in a room working through the Word of God. But we also are thankful for those men and women uh, that are joining us uh, through our YouTube uh, uh, platform or through our podcast archives, however they're coming. We're glad that they are here. Help us today, Lord. We're going through some difficult stuff today, and uh, but it really applies to the times we're living in. And help us to unpack it uh, bathed in the discernment from the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. I do want to start uh, the Bible study by just taking a moment to uh, um, ask all of you to continue to pray for Webb Adams' family. I told you that Webb was, uh, he was one of the pioneers that, that it was here when this Bible study started uh, at my home church when I was at Shades Mountain Baptist. It was there for 20 years. Uh, Webb was one of the first men to ever plug into this Bible study. He was uh, loyal to it until he uh, started having some health issues and uh, some work-related issues that made it more difficult difficult for him to be with us, uh, but uh, he just passed away uh, over the last few days, and uh, and we know that he is in the presence of the one and only living God. Uh, his family is mourning. We do, and you know, because of all the suffering that was going on with the, the horrible bout with cancer, uh, there, there's a side of us that's really thrilled for Webb uh, because uh, he has been completely healed, and uh, he is now in the presence of the Lord uh, that he loves so much. So, so we'll. Uh, if you would like to, guys here in the room or whatever, if you knew Webb, uh, they're going to have his service at Shades Mountain Baptist Church in Birmingham on Monday at eleven o'clock in the conference center. Uh, for any of you who want to attend that, uh, but just want to take a moment to remember Webb in here today. As many times, you know, the funny thing about Webb, he was the first one I had to say. Now, Webb, once we start putting this thing on YouTube, you can't interrupt me. Uh, because you know Webb always had something he wanted to add to the to the to the message, uh, and always had some great questions. But uh, love Webb and look forward to seeing him uh, when we get to where he is. So uh, remember his family. They mourn, but they don't mourn like those who have no hope. Um, so let's let's go to Genesis nineteen now. Now before go, you may, are you already there? Will you turn over with me real quick to Second Peter? So so turn over real quick to Second Peter, because I, I think we got to look at this too. Um, because it's one of these these moments that you look at scripture 
And when we when we look at what Peter is saying, and I think we can say that that Peter has credibility, right? Uh, I think we be, we believe that he is God inspired when he's writing, right? Anybody got a problem with that? So Peter's going to say something about Lot that that I promise is going to perplex us a little bit, especially when I'm done with Genesis 19 today. But uh, but here is what Peter says about Lot. I'll start in verse 6 because he's talking about really what he's doing in 2 Peter. Remember, remember we went through these, and these are also on the Strive app now. But in 1 Peter, Peter was concerned about persecution that was coming upon, coming upon the disciples of Jesus from the world, from outside the church. And then in 2 Peter, he's concerned about the apostasy that is now rising up within the church. And he starts pointing to the, the day of the Lord, and, 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 he, and he says, you know, God has gone on record that he will destroy uh, things, and he's going to destroy this earth again uh, by fire. So he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, and we're about to talk about this very thing in Genesis 19. And he says in verse 6, he says, If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And here it comes, verse 7. And if he rescued righteous Lot, and I would underline that, righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, the parentheses is important in 8, for as the righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormented, he was tormented, tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and he heard. So you're going to see Peter saying that Lot was in Sodom and he, he was there, and he was distressed by what was going on, and he refers to him as a righteous man. So hang on to that. Now let's go to Genesis 19, because many people have asked, after we finish Genesis 19, how can Peter call Lot righteous? Uh, he, he, he doesn't seem to behave like a righteous man at all. Uh, and, and we're going to see some of this. Now we're going to get warnings from Lot that we really need to pay attention to today. Really, really, really pay attention to today, okay? Now, remember what happened in 18, because this is going to be crucial to kind of understand where we're going to kind of land on this today. Remember that Abraham is visited by the Lord, Jesus pre-incarnate, and two angels. And remember Jesus says, should I tell Abraham what I'm about to do? And, of course, we know that he already knows the answer to that. And he says, well, he needs to see that since he's going to be the father of a powerful nation, first time it was called powerful, that he's gonna, if he's going to tell the, these children that they should live as just righteous people and fear me, I'm going to show him what happens when you don't, so he'll kind of have, he'll know what he's talking about, and he's going to see that what I'm about to do, they brought it on themselves, and I'm just in doing it because he is slow to anger. Remember we talked about this, but that doesn't mean he never angers. He does have enough at some point. And he, and then what does Abraham do? And we said this at the end last week. He begins to talk about God. You're going to wipe out the righteous with the wicked, and of course, you know, Jesus says, "Well, lay it on me. How many you know righteous people you think are there?" And the number keeps going down, 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 down. The last number we hear is ten, and finally Abraham just says, "I know what you'll do. You'll do what's right." And and then and what do we say? Really, what he's talking about is, are you going to wipe Lot out? Is my nephew gone? Are you going to take him out? Uh, and that's really what he, he wants to get some reassurance from, from, from the Lord 
that Lot is not going to be wiped out with all this. And then we hear Peter just telling us what that the Lord saves Lot. He rescued Lot, who was righteous. So, so we'll jump into 19. Uh, so now the, the end has come for Sodom. Uh, verses 1 through 3, let's read that now. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Underline that. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth, underline that, and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. And they said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Well, here's what we know. These are supernatural beings, and here's one of the ways we know that. Is it says that the angels came to Sodom in the evening, and we know that what just happened in 18, when, he, when they were with the, with the Lord, and how far Sodom was from where they were, there's no way they could be there by, and still in, by evening. It was impossible. So the fact that they made that giant distance in such a short time shows that they're supernatural. And it, it also says that, that Lot is, is, is he's there at the city gate, and what does this show? It shows that in this wicked city that Lot had climbed to some level of a respected member of the community. He, he had authority there. Uh, he was accepted. He was, uh, he was put in, uh, in a place of authority. And now the angels say something interesting. They're saying, hey, we'll just go on up to the square and what we would say, get a hotel. I don't want to bother you know, coming into your house. And if you looked at this in those days, the most dangerous thing you could do is to try to spend the night outside the city. That's, that's real dangerous. It was a little safer if you went to the right city to actually go inside a city and stay because you had, you know, supposedly you had a little more protection. You had people. You know, a little tougher for people to take you out like they would out in the wilderness, but it's it's safer to go into someone's home than it would be to go to a hotel. So it's interesting that the angels first throw out, "We'll just roll up into the square and we'll find somewhere to stay." And Lot, knowing the city, says, "Don't do that." You ever been to a city like that? Oh, don't do that. Uh, where are you going? Let me tell you where not to go. Uh, hey, have you ever taken the wrong exit before in a, in a, in a big city and went, "Uh oh, boy, this is this this doesn't look good." And uh, you don't go to that part of town. So basically, Lot knows y'all come in here, strangers like this. You think you're going to roll up in the town square? That's going to be that's going to be problematic. You better come stay with me. I, I, I don't want you to do that. And it's in the word here in Hebrew says he strongly pressured them. He pressured them not to do it. And so they they agreed that they would stay with him. Also, something interesting we just finished in eighteen. Abraham, remember we said Abraham said the Lord is here and two angels, so I'm not going to make a snack. Okay, and he goes out and he kills a a, a, a a prize calf. He's making milks and curd. He's he's bringing them a feast and stands there and lets them eat. Doesn't even join them, even though he's a man of wealth and he's he's the master of the house out of respect for them. It's interesting to start watching the differences in Abraham and Lot, which we've talked about many times. Lot is the word feast is used here, but yet. Lot's bringing them unleavened bread, which normally would not be associated with a feast. 
So you you see that that's just these little things in Scripture that are that are fascinating. Lot is making a fuss over them, but it's not near the fuss that Abraham made it for him made 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 for them. You know he's he's trying to do the right thing, but it, he's just not to the place that Abraham is with his respect for God. So now let's look at verses four through eight, and it's about to get real real ugly here. Uh, so four through eight, but before they could even lay down. The men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, underline that, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring, bring them out to us that we may know them. Now, there are people that are trying to skirt around this horrible, horrible moment by saying, well, now this, this, this is not a sexual request they're making. It absolutely is. Okay, any commentary that, that says, well, that's not really what they meant, these are people that, 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 that just don't have a lot of credibility. Uh, they, they've got another agenda to say, well, there's not, they're not doing that. This is the Hebrew word that is used, and in, in this is a sexual connotation. This is the Adam, New Eve. Uh, they want to have sex with what they think are men that have entered the city. Okay? Now, this is where it's going. To, this shows you the depravity because what does it say? All the men. It really didn't matter what their age was, young and old. So the young, the old men of, of Sodom couldn't be trusted. They certainly were not mentoring the young men. The young men were wild, and out of control, and so were the old men. And the old men said, "Let's go. Let's go see if we can't have sex with these men that have entered the city. This is this is these are some new guys for us." And the young men, this is this is this is the men that led them, and they said, "Well, the old man says we're going to see if we can drag these two men out and have our way with them. We're in." And the old man said, "Don't worry, young men. This sounds good. We're, we we approve of this. This is your example. Watch us." And so I think sometimes we get real careless with the way that we live our lives, and we don't take into account that young men are watching the older men. And I have to ask that uncomfortable question, and we're going to get to a lot a minute ago. What sin are we teaching young men to take lightly? If they looked at our life, would they go, well, that guy, I mean, he's older, and I see what he does, so it must be okay. I don't know why everybody's making such a big deal about this. He, he, he's very careless in this area of his life, and he, he claims to be a godly man. He's an older person with wisdom. He's got gray in his hair. He's got gray in his beard. Uh, we're watching his example. So if young men watch your example and young men watch my example, is that a good example to watch? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's right. So so young and old, make a note of that. There's no doubt that they want to have sex with the with these men that are angels. But remember, throughout Scripture, you never see an angel. No one ever looks at an angel, which is an error in some of our books and some of our things that people put on their walls and whatever. You never see an angel that looks like a female ever in Scripture. Uh, angels always present themselves, if they look like human, they present themselves as males. Never would, you know, this thing of you see a female angel hovering over the children, that's not Scripture. Uh, it, it, they never present themselves as women. So, so they, they see them as, as men, and, and they want to have their way with them. And look what, what what's interesting. Look what uh, Lot does next in verse verse seven, uh, six and seven. So Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him. Everybody see the visual? He hey 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 guys guys guys, and he's putting the door behind him. Now keep in mind he's been living there 
to the point that he's out there at the gate in some place of authority, okay? He's the greeter for Sodom. And he shuts the door behind him. You know, this is that deal. You know what you have right here? I don't I don't know what, what kind of testimonies are in the room. I know some. But I can remember times in my life when I was wayward, like maybe you were at your parents' house and some of your buddies showed up that, that were bad news and you come up and say, hey, hey, my parents are here. Guys, I know we do things when they ain't around. These guys, let's not – hey, we got to shut this down. These guys, stay away from these guys. So watch what he does next. He's busted, okay? These are guys he's been hanging out with on a daily basis, okay? So listen to this. He goes out, he meets the men, he shuts the door behind him, and he says, I beg you, underline this, my brothers. Not I beg you, strangers that I don't know. Hey, brothers, I'm begging you. I'm, I'm begging you not to do this. He knows these people. These are not people, and they're probably thinking, like we're going to see throughout the rest of this chapter, what, what are you so uptight about this for? So anyway, so he goes up and he says, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Some of your translations say, don't do this evil thing. Now, the next move is going to be very controversial, and it's going to say some things that sometimes people in the world we live in are not going to want to hear. And, it's, and you got to be careful with it, but it is what it is. Lot is saying, don't do this. And one of the things he's saying, and it's proven by the next thing he does, look, it's one thing to be sexually immoral, but there's even things inside the conference of sexual immorality that are more wicked all of it is, fall, is falling short of the glory of God. Don't hear me say anything else. But, guys, you're wanting to do a depravity that, that, that goes to another level because they're men. Not because they're angels, because they don't know they're angels. Okay? They see them as men, and if you don't believe that, look what he does next, which is mind-boggling. Verse 8, Behold, I have two daughters, okay, who have not known a man, they're virgins, let me bring them out to you, and you do them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. Hey, take my daughters. Now, isn't it, isn't that just, a, isn't that sin as well? Take my daughters who are virgins. They're not your wives. Don't marry them. Just have sex with them. They no, no man's touch them. They're clean. But don't do this. Don't do this. Because what he's talking about is there's depravity. I mean, guys, let's just be clear. If I were to steal your wallet, remember me talking about this, I need to repent of that sin, and it will keep me out of the glory of God if, I, if, if, I, if this is a sin that I don't declare as sin. And, you know, if I steal a billfold, I've, I've, done, I've done enough to be condemned if I'm not made righteous through Jesus. And that is sin. But if I came into your house and I drug your wife out and I raped her, both of those are sin, but I think you'd rather me steal your wallet because the, the enormity of that sin is, is, is quite different here on earth, okay? So what he's saying is it's bad if y'all take my daughters off, but it's not as bad if y'all come here and attack these men and try and have sex with them. Don't do this. Do not do this wicked. 
because this is going to take it to another level to where not only are you committing sexual sin, you're also committing blasphemy against how God created men and women. You see God throughout Scripture taking heterosexual sin, and he manages it. Look at David. Look at Solomon. I mean, it, it, it's sin. But when you look at it, and when it gets into this category, you will not find it ever managed anywhere throughout Scripture. It brings the wrath of God. And he's saying, take the daughters, don't touch these men, which is a very bizarre but it is in Scripture, so we can't look around it. Here's what he's saying. He is protecting the guest. It's still depraved. He calls them his brothers. Don't miss that. And here's what you're finding right now. And this is where you look at Lot and you just shake your head about what Peter said. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. You know what he's saying? Look, I would rather be good with y'all and get y'all to calm down I don't want to be at odds with this city, so much so you're more important than my daughters to me. I'll give you my daughters if y'all would just calm down. So, just just so I just so I'm not at odds with y'all, I'm I'm going to protect these guys, but you can have my daughters. Shocking, but how many times? Have we had something in our life that meant more to us than our own than, than the than, than the well being of our own children? Yeah, but I but I want to do this. But what if what if it what if it affects your children negatively? Yeah, what what if the things you're doing and it ends up being the total destruction for your children? Well, as long as long as I don't whatever, as long as I'm okay with that. I, I'm, I'm, I, may, I may sacrifice my children, not for the good of the advancement of the kingdom, but for my own self. As long as I get to do what I want to do and I can continue to do what I'm doing. So, and it may not be physically, but many times men have let their work and their idols come against them and their children because the idols are more important than their own children. So he says that uh, he will bring them out to them. And on nine, they say, stand back. Hey, we're going to knock the door down. Now, these guys are committed. The daughters, we don't want. We're going for the men. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. He basically, now they're, now he was a big deal to him, but now that he's not letting them do what they want to do, they got to pull, pull the cards. You ain't from around here. I mean, hey, you came, and, and you're sojourning here, and suddenly we just let you run in things? You're going to tell us what to do? See, you're, you make bad, when you make bad friends, you see how quickly they turn on you? Suddenly, he has no authority. And, uh, and he says, now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot. You, can you see him blocking the door? And drew near to break the door down, but the men, the angels, reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door, and they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Can you see it? Well, they keep on groping. They'll know they're still trying to get in. You would think blindness would have been the end of we want, we want to take these men and rape them. You would think that you know once you were blind, you would kind of give up the chase. 
but it says they wore themselves out still trying to get in. They just couldn't find the door. They couldn't figure out how to open it because they're blind. And I, and I want you to, to, to listen to what they're saying, too. They, they, they are crying out that they're going to do what they want to do, and it says that when they all got struck blind, don't think, don't think that Moses just kind of haphazardly threw in the young and the old. You know what he wants us to know? When we as older men destroy a generation of young people, God doesn't give them a pass. It struck everybody blind. They didn't. You didn't see God go or the angels go. Let's strike the old guys blind because you know they're older. They ought to know better. But the young guys, we'll give them a pass, or we'll just make them kind of blurry. No, it said it. it the young and the old were struck blind. So, so when 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 we when we take the younger generation and we don't mentor these young men and they find themselves in sin, God's not going to look down and go, "Well, Burgess didn't do his job, but I'm going to give this guy a pass." No, they'll be judged for whatever they do, and we'll be held accountable for the fact that we didn't do our job. So then it says that the, the men reached out their hands. They shut the door behind them. They're now blind. And then when you get to, to, to this, you, you, you see that he's called an outsider, and, and you see that the, the Hebrew word here, by the way, of them being blind, it says they were struck with blindness. In verse 11, this word right here means they were struck Blind, you know what they were struck by? A blinding light. The light. The light was so bright that it struck them blind. Verses 12 through 14. The men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out. This is the angels now. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before who? The Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, up, this is frantic, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city, and every man listening to this, watching this, or in the room needs to read this next line and underline it twice. Not once, twice. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Joking. You know why? Zero credibility. What are you talking about? We're leaving here. You love this place. We we've watched you live this way, and you come in here telling us we got to get up and leave. So here's the question we have to ask ourselves, and why we're underlining this twice. When suddenly we declare that something's unacceptable, tell you what, that's not going to be happening in our house. You need to straighten your, 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 your life up, and you need to stop doing that. You need to do this. I tell you what, uh, I can't believe that you ended up. What are you doing on the side of the road where your car crashed and the police taking you to jail with a DUI? Would your child look at you and go, so now you're against drinking? I, I've watched you my whole life. I thought, that we, I thought drinking was fine. You've never, you've never gotten upset about it before. I've watched you do it. Hey, I can't. I, your, your mama has told me she's gone in there and she's looked at your computer for the last time, and once again we found porn on it. Dad? So today you're against porn? You think I don't see the movies you watch? You think I haven't seen what you do? 
You think I didn't see the magazine you tried to roll up and hide in the back of your closet? I found that as a little boy. You have no credibility. Now you're upset about it? And that's what these sons-in-law are saying to Lot. You're telling us to leave Sodom? Who is this? Where did this come from? And they laugh at him. They think he's joking. Would your family laugh at you when you try to be authoritative about something that you haven't got under control in your own life? So then you go to 15. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife. Well, now we're getting to her. And your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. And underline this twice. But he lingered. Man. We could do a whole, we should we should we could stop right now and spend the next 30 minutes talking about he lingered. This this is a big big moment in scripture. Lot repent of this, leave this. Boy, I've been there. Rick, enough with this sin. I'm hesitating. I don't know that I'm ready to be done with it. So you're going to take this away from me. Yes, it's destroying you, but I love it. But I said, if you loved me, you would obey my commands. You don't think I'm better than this sin? I'm not sure. I'm telling you, there's so much regret in my life for no other reason than I lingered. You think I didn't know these things were bad for me? But I loved them. I love the momentary joy that would bring me or it would take me away from the world or it would give me gratification for this moment. But, Rick, it's killing you. It's destroying your family. It's already destroyed one of your families. Why are you continuing this? Get up, repent, turn from your sin, turn to me, leave faith in yourself and put your faith in me. But I lingered. Remember what I said in here a couple weeks ago? That we got to be careful not to say, I need to do something, just not today. And what did we say? You can just not today yourself right into hell. I think about, I've been redeemed, praise God for that. And one day, every tear is going to be wiped away and my regret will be over. But I think about if I had just not lingered, how much damage that still has been done could have been avoided. If I just hadn't lingered and delayed it, maybe maybe I come I come to repentance in in 1991 versus 1996, 1985 versus 1996. You think 12 years of lingering didn't do damage that could have been avoided? Yeah. Do you think you think Christ didn't keep coming to me, going, how much longer? I've seen men linger. You've been there. You've tried to mentor men. You've tried to help them. And you can't believe you got a call and they're doing it again. Sin, you know why You know why it's problematic? And I'm not making excuses for it. I just want you to be prepared for it. You know why it took me so long to repent? Because sin was all I knew. This is all I know. And that's where that faith has to come in. I have to have faith that you're better, Jesus. 
I have to have faith that I need to leave Sodom. I have to have faith that it's time to go, and I'll do whatever I have to do to get my family out of here. But it says when he said, look, the son-in-laws have shot you down. They're doomed. By the way, son-in-laws, they don't make it. Do you think, do you think, you think Lot could have, could have maybe helped that situation? He could have, but he didn't. No credibility. Now the, the angel's going, now we're to your wife, Lot. We're to your wife and daughters now. We already saw some bad behavior out of you on these daughters, which that's going to come back. So we're talking about your wife and, and your daughters now. And he lingered. And, oh, it's going to cost him. It's going to cost his wife. It's going to cost his daughters. He lingered. I would take, I would take 1916A, and I would just write down, but he lingered, and I'd put that somewhere where you had to look at it a lot and maybe stop lingering. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters. Look at God's grace in all this. We'll drag you out of here, man, if you're not going to go. You realize that's what's happening. They're literally saying we will force you out because God sent us here to protect Lot, and we're going to find out why. And they brought him, and they set him outside the city. Do not miss this, this here. They took him, seized him, his wife, his two daughters, by the hand. Listen, the Lord being merciful. Underline that twice. The Lord being merciful to him. Thank you, Lord. The Lord being merciful. I could take my name and go, hey, the, he came in, he grabbed me out of the murk, he took me out of the miry clay, and, so, and you could literally say, and the Lord being merciful to Rick finally drug him out of there. Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to treat his grace and his mercy with so much apathy. He saved my life. How must it feel? I go back to what my, 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 my wife said. That moment she reached and she said, for the first time I had compassion for God. Do we ever have compassion for God? Ever? The Lord being merciful. And we continue to linger around the garbage that put him on the cross. And you, a revival ain't never coming to this country or to the, to the church if we're not willing to have revival in each individual life in this room and, and watching it and listening to it. It must start with personal revival. If it doesn't, it'll never happen. And the Lord being merciful. Thank you, Lord. And he brought him out, and he set him outside the city. The angels did, 17. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And this is where Lot just, you just want to shake him. So the angel says, You wouldn't leave. We drug you out. We got you out. We got your wife out. We got your, da- your daughters out. Y'all got to go. Go up to the hills so that you, you're not part of this destruction that's coming. Lot wants to cut a deal. He don't want to go in the hills. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this. Can you imagine being these angels? Are you kidding me? And he's like, I, I don't know about the hills. I mean, he's like, uh, he says, I uh, behold, in in eighteen, and the, and Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you've shown me great kindness in saving my life, but. 
hey, Lot, after that statement you just made, there's no but. It, it, what, what he should have said is, and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'm so thankful. He acknowledges how, how good they've been to him, and then he comes up with but. Hey, are we ever going to stop saying to God, thank you for your mercy, thank you for your kindness, but I ain't doing that. Whatever it is. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. But I still watch this field. I'm sorry. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. I'm still going to lust after a woman that's not my wife. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. I'm going to continue that relationship. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. I'm still going to be drunk. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. I'm still going to be dishonest. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. I will not give anyone else kindness. I will not forgive them. How do we say but to God after acknowledging his kindness and his mercy and his grace? How must that feel? Can you imagine? Can you imagine you're in a bind, you're struggling, I'll walk into you, how I would feel if I said, I'm here, paid off all your debts, you got yourself in a bind, you owe nothing, I've got you a new place to live, I've, I've got the people that are after you. I've done with that. I've got you cleaned up. I've got you out of jail. No one's after you anymore. I've completely given you a brand new start when you didn't deserve it. And, oh, by the way, my son's dead because I went ahead. He went. They took him off and killed him so you wouldn't be killed. And you look at me and said, man, I appreciate that kindness. I appreciate that love. But... I don't really like this house. And this is the car you're giving me? What, what would I do? You better be glad I'm not God. And I better be glad that somebody like me is not God. Can you believe that we tell God but on anything? We ought to be standing there going, I'm so glad I'm not going to burn forever in the fires of hell. What do you need me to do? Well, you know you can never repay me. Understood, but what do you want me to do, though? Well, I'd like for you to go. I'd like for you to be a disciple. I'd like for you to obey my commands. I'd like for you to go make disciples. Eh. Wow. Sounds like I might take some of my time. I guess I'll have to go learn this, and, you know, I don't really like to read, and i got to go out and talk to people about you. Gosh, I may have to get calls in the middle of the night to go help people. Yeah, I pass. Thank you, though. You're very kind. You're very merciful. But I ain't doing that. This, that's what you – be careful before you start coming down on Lot. We're a lot like Lot. We're a lot more like him than we are Abraham. So he says, but uh, I cannot escape to the hills lest the disaster overtake me. I die. 20, behold, the city is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. Hey, look, I know that you want to wipe out this this little small city over here, Zoar. I mean, I know you're saying you're going to wipe out all the wicked people, but how many people could even be there? It's not that big. Can you leave a few wicked people around that I can just go stay there and I have to go up to the hills? I don't think I can make it before you bring. It's a long way. I, I, mean, I could be tired. That's a lot of work to get to those hills. Can I just go over here and you just leave this little city alone? And if you don't think that God is merciful, look what they did. 
And he said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also. Don't miss also. Okay, so you got another request from me? All right. <laughs> you got to love the boldness of Lot. I mean, he's, he's pretty disgusting. But I tell you, he's not afraid. He'd be a great salesperson. He's got no problem with the ask. You know how people can't be great salespeople because they won't, they won't, they can't do the ask. Lot can do it. Even to God. I tell you, I'd like to have one more thing. So they they let him do it. And he says, um, um, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was Zoar. Uh, which means little. That's how little it was. So the sun has risen in verses 23 through 26. Lot has arrived there, and the annihilation of Sodom and Gomorrah is made very clear. 23, the sun has risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the valley, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But look at 26. What did the angel say? Don't look back. Y'all got to go. Don't look back. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Why do you think Lot's wife looked back? He taught her to love it. She didn't want to leave it. Who taught her to love it? Her husband. And it cost her. What sins are we teaching our wives to love? What garbage are we putting on them that's going to cost them? So she had she had watched her husband love Sodom. She'd watched him work his way into leadership there, be accepted by everybody. He brought her wealth. He brought her all this place. I mean, it, hey, it, it is wild times in Sodom. And Lot got in there with his wife and with his son-in-laws, and they partied and they partied and they partied and they partied. And then Lot realizes God's had enough, to his credit, and he says, hey, we got to go. Don't look back. And once again, just like the son-in-laws, he's got no credibility. She looks back because she'd been taught to love Sodom by her husband, and she didn't want to leave it. And God killed her. You see how this thing about Lot being righteous, and maybe we'll see Lot in eternity. I'm, I'm not the judge of Lot's eternity. But I tell you what I'm feeling pretty pretty strong about. I'm not going to see his son-in-laws. I'm not going to see his wife. I'm not going to see his daughters. Might see him, apparently, but I don't think I'm going to see them. So you may skate by. You you may have done enough. It's dangerous theology. You may have done enough that the Lord's grace and mercy is, has redeemed you, and then you've lived as a carnal Christian or you've lived as some sort of cultural Christian. Nobody buys into it. You haven't passed along your faith. And suddenly you'll go, hey, you know what? You remember, you remember Hezekiah? When God says, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm coming down on this. You're not finishing well. He goes, but I'm going to grant you, what was it, 14, 16 more years of life. And Hezekiah says, oh, so it's not going to happen to me? Okay. 
And what did that give us? Manasseh, who was one of the most wicked kings there had ever been. You think Manasseh had any respect for Hezekiah? Oh, wow, so you just saved your own rear end and threw the rest of us under the bus? Watch me go. So this is what Lot seems to be doing. It's very Hezekiah-like. I think I think I'm good with God because of I'm 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 Abraham's nephew, and and, and you're going to see that be affirmed. And Abraham, look at twenty seven, went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before with the Lord. You remember this in eighteen, and he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all of the land of the valley, and he looked and behold the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. Twenty nine is a key verse here on trying to understand what Peter said about Lot. This is key. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered who? Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. God had made a covenant with Abraham and Lot was covered under the covenant and made righteous through Abraham. Just as we are covered under the new covenant of Jesus Christ, though we are we deserve nothing and we are there's nothing righteous about us. But when we enter the new covenant and we repent of our sin and we turn and leave faith from ourselves and place faith in Jesus Christ, no matter how wicked and rotten you have been, because of Jesus, you'll be presented as fully righteous. And Lot, his righteousness came from the covenant that God had made with Abraham, not because of the way he lived his life. Because it's really hard to find. There's different theories, and we'll see this, but that's the one that seems to hold the most water. To, to wrap up, this is a horrible scene next. Now, Lot went up, this is verse 30 now, out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid. Do you find it funny that he finally does what the angel said to begin? He, he can't even hang in. He gets afraid there and ends up having to go up in the hills and live in a cave anyway. Can you imagine the angels going, is he in the cave? Is that not what we said to do from the very beginning? And and so so now he's, he's in a cave because now he, he realizes it's a little town, but it's still wicked. And he told God, don't wipe out these wicked people. I'm going to hang with them like you've been hanging in Sodom. And now he realizes these people are so wicked, they may come kill me after this. They may blame me for this. So he takes his daughters and he goes up to the hills. He lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old and there is not a man on earth to, to come into us after, after the manner of all the earth. They think the whole earth has been destroyed. Come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with their father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. He's that drunk. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, great great big sister here, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. 
So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she had laid down or when she arose. Same thing. He's staggering drunk again. Thus both daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. There's the sin of incest. The firstborn bore a son and, and called his name Moab. By the way, that'll be the Moabites, wonderful people. Uh, his father, uh, he, he is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son. She called his name Ben-Ami, but that's where the Amorites come from. He is the father of the Amorites to this day. The Moabites and the Amorites, that's what came from this little incestuous relationship and the drunkenness, and uh, they were a problem for God's people, and God did finally deal with them, and he eradicated them from the face of the earth, but it was after they'd done a lot of damage. Sin always matters. Moab, this is how defiant these daughters were. Moab literally means from father. I mean, she's strutting around. She names her kid. This kid spawned from my father. And then, of course, the, the one that the younger daughter, who's just as bad as the older daughter, uh, she, this name she's come up with to flaunt it is called son of my people. So... Yes, apparently, if you look at Scripture, Lot was a righteous man through the covenant with Abraham. But he placed himself among the unrighteous. And it cost his family. Even if Lot is deemed righteous through the covenant with Abraham, and apparently he is. But he went and immersed himself with the unrighteous. And his wife and his children and his son-in-laws and all the people in Sodom. Why was this is that thing where, where you you know you you worry you worry sometime. I tell you what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go out there. I mean, Jesus was always hey, he hung out with sinners. He did, and he called them to repentance. And he said he wouldn't hold their sin against them if they turned and they repented. I mean, you've got you've got this thing that, that Jesus just went out there like a hippie. He just hung out with a bunch of drunks and a bunch of prostitutes. He never called anybody to repentance. He never dealt with it. He just stayed there and lived with them, and nothing ever really changed. You know, did you ever hear Jesus say, you know, I'm participating in the sin. I'm trying to earn the right to speak into their lives. You ever you ever see that move? Well, now, the way I'm, way I'm living looks kind of, look, I'm trying to get to know these people, then I'm going to tell them about Jesus. When's that going to take place? How long have you been there? Still trying to establish some relationships. Are, are you just knocking it out of gear? Are you really there to try to reach these people for Jesus? Are you just immersing yourself in their culture? Are you there calling them to repentance and talk about the grace and the mercy that God offers us all? It's good news. You know, this is this thing where people talk about, you know, the old, we're all, we're all going to, I'm going to go, we, we got a Bible study, you know, we all sit around, drink beer. Okay, well, you know, I mean, but but are y'all talk, are y'all talking about Jesus, or, or is this just an excuse for men to sit around and, and drink beer, and you talk about how you're establishing relationships? How much beer are we drinking? Is everybody getting a buzz? I mean, where, where does this, where does this begin and end? I'm not trying to be overly legalistic, but is that, is that a great strategy? I just want to meet them where they are. Yeah, but Jesus didn't leave them there, though. He didn't come back next Tuesday and say, let's do that again. He got in there and said, I'll tell you what, 
guys, let me tell you some things going on here we probably don't want to do anymore. And I'm here to forgive you for the things you've already done. It is true that I don't, I'm not, I'm not denying you redemption. See, that's what everybody misses. Hey, man, he was there for everybody. Yeah, to be redeemed. Jesus never went and found me in one of my dark places and said, let's just hang here. He came in and said, let's get out of here. Remember the Elijah? The, you know, we talked about Elijah. What are you doing here? I didn't tell you to come here. See, see, this is the thing you got to watch. If you're, if even if you're righteous and you decide to immerse yourself in the unrighteous, you need to be there to reach them. Because I assure you, just like we told our children, and grown men and grown women make the same mistake. You better be careful before you go into a dark place, and you better be strong enough in your faith that you'll go there and impact that culture. Because if you don't, that culture will impact you. I promise you. The pull of that sin is, is usually more than you can handle. Only the strong survive. Don't be a sin daredevil. Because it may not cost you. But apparently it can really cost other people. Even your own family. So why does Peter call him righteous? Most people land on the same reason that God calls us righteous in his son Jesus, because of the covenant with Abraham. Some believe that uh, we don't know all the story of Lot, that he repented after all this. And the reason why Peter's calling him righteous, there was some big turnaround for Lot. I think we probably would have got that in the Bible, don't you think? Don't you think we would have got that? I'm not saying that, you know, that, I mean, I may, we may stand before the Lord and says, well, I just thought you would assume that. I, I think if there's this big turnaround story for Lot where he repents of all this, I, you know, because this is the last time we hear from him, by the way. And the last thing we hear is I'm drunk committing incest with my daughters and producing the Moabites and the Amorites. So if there's a big turnaround story, it's, it, it, we don't get it. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I don't know. And then the third one, which I don't think holds any, uh, holds a, a lot of water, and that is that um, um, that Lot is not righteous, and 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 this is not in concert. And what Peter is saying is incorrect, and I, I don't think that's going to stand up uh, because that's a holy inspired word. Um, I think you have to look at Genesis 19 and Second Peter in concert. Uh, it, it's all working together, and I think the the most biblically sound place to land is the covenant with Abraham. And God said he would take care of Lot. He made that promise to Abraham, and he did. But, boy, it sure did cost a lot of other people, didn't it? And you got to say it cost a lot, too, as far as here on earth. That could not be a great way to live. So here's the question. We'll close it out right here. There's a lot to take away from this. And maybe today's the day that we, we, we look at this as God intended and we apply it to our lives. And maybe there's some adjustments in our own life that we need to make. If not for ourselves... And certainly not to say that somehow that what Jesus did for us on the cross and when he walked out of the tomb somehow is not enough. We're not saying that at all. But, and he does make us fully righteous. But the way that we live our lives and the things that we do, apparently, 
in the Word of God have grave consequences on those under our influence. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the, uh, the opportunity to unpack, uh, which is a very difficult historic, uh, well, these historical events are, they're difficult. They're, they're, you, you read this, and, um, but then we see really the one thing I don't want us to miss in this, Lord, is how gracious and merciful you are. You're even more merciful and gracious than that I think I even fully understood before really diving into this again. I, 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 knew, the, I knew the basic concepts of this chapter and this historic uh, moment, but, uh, boy, diving into every detail, I, I kept thinking over and over again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being so gracious and so merciful. I know that I deserve help, and I thank you for coming to me and making me fully righteous through the sacrifice that I could not pay and, the, and, and, and through my repentance. My repentance would mean nothing if you had not defeated my sin. And I thank you for that. And I, I repent today of the times that I have abused the grace that came at such a cost. And may you convict me every time that takes place. Maybe some of you are listening to this, you're watching this, you need somebody to talk to, you can reach out to me, uh, rick at burgessministries.com. I'll be happy to talk to you, pray with you. Uh, If maybe right now you need to say, I'm done, today I repent of my sin. I I turn a 180 from my sin and I turn to you, Jesus. I leave faith in myself and I put my faith in you. And I ask that you would redeem me, you would forgive me, and you would reconcile me back to you, a holy God, through only the blood of Jesus the name that uh, is above all names, and the only name that one can be reconciled with. And will you please make me fully righteous through the blood, the sacrifice, the grace, and the mercy, and through my faith in you. If you've said that today and you've meant that and in your heart, I don't know that. I certainly can't stand in, in, in judgment of whether you're sincere or not, but God knows. But if you need someone to help you, uh, reach out to me. I'll, I'll help you any way I can. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us.